Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Their Lives Matter. You're right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest back here again is Phyllis Alman. We are going to be talking about Senior Straight Talk. We're going to be talking about her new book, which I've forgotten to write down the title here, of Dignity and Respect, Are Aging Parents Getting What They Deserve? Did you get that, folks? Dignity and respect. Are aging parents getting what they deserve? The book is on Amazon. We're going to be talking about that today. We're going to be talking about the whole crisis in nursing homes and the whole way this collapse has happened through COVID of what's going on and also the attitude towards our aging nation. Hey, I'm a senior too. There is no way I am written off yet. We still have so much to contribute and so much to enjoy in life. This isn't as one senator said, oh, the aged are willing to die for the youth. No, sorry. <laughs> We've already served you. It's time now to serve ourselves. We've left you with a legacy. Take it and run. But this is not the time for us to die for you we're not in that kind of war but we are in a war where dignity and respect needs to step up and where we need to actually look at what the effects of this COVID is doing well however much you want to deny it uh, she says the story begins from the inside of COVID-19 storm which raged our nation's nursing homes affecting over 1 million residents and the healthcare workers who are the true unsung, unsung heroes working here um, it offers a grand perspective for how to how it felt inside the nursing home, especially the lack of PPE that impacted the spread of the virus. Dignity and respect um, continues tracing the story of the ill effects of the isolation, the loneliness of our older um, adults, whether they are living in nursing homes or amongst us in our nation's community, and goes on to address our, our attitudes towards aging and older adults. Oh, we're on a topic. We are, we are, we are. It's one of my, it's, it's one of my pet peeves, you know, the way I hear people talk about our seniors as if we've had our day and, you know, it's, it's now move over for the youth and you can just be put out to pasture. And if the field's contaminated, who cares? And uh, you know what? We do, because we've still got a lot of living to do. And those that are in nursing homes have given their lives over to people in trust. Their families can take care of them because most families are in dual income and they've got kids to raise and it's hard to be there with somebody either with dementia or just needs and they put them into a nursing home where they think they're going to get loving care and we know that there's an awful lot of horror stories in nursing homes even before COVID but since COVID came about it has put the spotlight on nursing homes on the lack of preparation and also the amount of deaths even daily daily uh, we're hearing the amount of deaths that are going on in nursing homes and you would have thought they would have learned from the beginning of the pandemic. So much to talk about here, love, isn't there? 
Oh, there surely is. Thanks so much, Sarah, for having me. Um, you know, it's interesting what you said just as you started. Uh, I was at a, a I don't want to call it a gathering because it, it, it uh, was a friend of mine who opened a gallery. So she's having the opening over several days. So we could socially distance. So I wanted to put that out there that way. But I was uh, talking to a gentleman yesterday, last night, and he was saying about, he's in his 50s, he was saying, and he, he was going on about some people he worked with and that older people, uh, the unfortunate part, part is that they lose their uh, their faculties a little bit or they they you know they start to decline they lose their memory so we of course we started getting into a back and forth discussion and one thing he said was well he knows this man who's 82 but he has he's as sharp as a tap mm -hmm. so i tried to explain to him the fact that he's using the word but he's yes. as sharp as a tap it's already an ageist kind of mm -hmm. point of view. Mm -hmm. And he already has this attitude that older people are normally not sharp as a tack. And like this guy is the exception. And the, he couldn't get it. He wouldn't get it. He couldn't get it. And uh, this is part and parcel of what you're talking about. Yeah. It's so entrenched in our societies. Um, you know, you live in Canada and, mm -hmm. and I'm here in the US, uh, but in many societies around the world, I have found out more, more than I really originally thought that as you become older, um, you know, your relevance, you're not as relevant. Uh, you don't really have a purpose. Uh, you fulfilled your, um, you fulfilled your uh, purpose in life, your path. Your if obligation. You kind of, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. If you've had a family, you've done that. And uh, thank you very much. We're finished with you now and you're finished altogether. And uh, as we spoke about before we started, there are many of us because I'm also I'm 67. I'll be 68 in a few weeks. And um, I'm, I feel like I'm in um, 2.0, profession 2.0. I'm mm. in a whole totally different point i've now written three books and i'm mm. you know looking at broadcasting opportunities i never would have thought of that before exactly exactly you know we've done quote quote our duty we rage the 2.5 kids you know the picket yeah. fence and right. you know contributed to society and volunteered and and you know worked and did all of that we've done all of that and then it came to the time that the children left home and then it was like okay you know, life isn't over yet. You know, maybe I'm still working in a dead end job or a, a job that I just did to put food on the table. But what about me now? It's my time. And that's, you know, our self-discovery. It doesn't stop, you know, uh, at a certain age. I started broadcasting, you know, doing these shows at 57. I'm now 66. And I love what I do. I found my meaningful purpose, my calling in life. I'm going to do it until I'm blind, deaf and dumb. Right? I I'm with you 500% because, like I said, I never would have thought of this. I started my radio show over a year ago, but in July trans transitioned it to a podcast, mm -hmm. Senior Straight Talk, as you mentioned. Yes, I like that. <laughs> We've got some straight it. talking to do. <laughs> I love it. I feel like I'm finding my place. Yes. I started the news tidbits now three times a week, Senior News for Today. They're on the YouTube channel. 
um, the writing. I feel like um, I'm actually uh, next week, I'm filming a TV promo. I want it to be like a uh, talk show. Mm -hmm. I like the view type of show where uh, another gal and myself talk about the issues that are pertinent to seniors, the community at large. And I'm really hoping that maybe some local television station will pick it up you know, once a week where we can have these great discussions. I mean, she's a few years behind me. Um, you know, I think we, it has a lot of value. People are interested in these topics. We also got to remember that we are the baby boomers. Right. Right. So, you know, we, um, there has never been this amount of people on the planet of this age group. Correct. Right. And what we're realizing, instead of putting people out to pasture or go onto your rocking chair and start knitting, you know, your life is over or, you know, you're now just the grandparents to play with the grandkids um, and, you know, play chess or something somewhere. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, it's that how vibrant we are, you know, right. how we're in that rediscovery of, of something else, a passion. You know, everybody that that 60 plus that stepped into something new, they're doing it because it comes from the core passion. Right. And it comes from the life experience. It comes yeah. from the, realizing the gift that they are their contribution and if instead of looking to put us out to pasture and you looked at all the absolutely orchard of wisdom that lies with our elderly and how you know working alongside of us of how much you could learn that instead of it would take you 40 years to learn you'd be fast-tracked <laughs> you know, it's it's like hello folks you know uh your cell phone, your computer, your TV, your, your everything that is your instant today, your internet came from a senior. Well, what I point out, something I say in my book is that yes, you can uh, hit a search engine mm -hmm. and put in something and you can get information, but that's just words. That's just information. It's just facts. You have to really getting it from somebody who lived it, you yes. get the wealth of the experience. It becomes an entirely different matter when you hear it from somebody who lived it. Yes. Um, Been there, done that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And um, You know, there's something that you said at the top and um, I trying to get people, it's all about language and verbiage and all of that thing. And it, it's just what you said there's this idea that we put somebody someplace, we put mm -hmm. them in a nursing home, we put them in assisted living. It's very much takes away people's autonomy. Mm -hmm. Instead of thinking of it as another transition, another move, we're always moving in transition from the time we're younger. We usually, you know, move as a lot of us go to college. Maybe we move into a college dorm, or maybe we then move in with a roommate or then a partner, or then maybe we get married. But, but we're always moving, right? Yes, but somehow, progress. <laughs> when we get to this stage, somebody puts you someplace. Yeah. So all of a sudden, the you're like a flower <laughs> pot. Right. You're like a flower pot, a plant. <laughs> and somebody puts you over there and they continue watering you. <laughs> when they remember. Exactly. <laughs> 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 you think about it that way, it's, I mean, it's, it's terrible, but, but that's kind of what it is. Instead of thinking that's just another transition in life, 
People can no longer live in the environment they were in for a variety of reasons, maybe physical, maybe cognitive, it could be many things. So maybe they just don't want to, right. and they just move to another environment. That doesn't mean that they can't continue to have a life worth living as Dr. Bill Thomas, uh, the title of his book, Life Worth Living. If people haven't read that, I recommend that they do because it's an eye-opening experience. That's mm -hmm. how he became my personal and professional hero. And he wrote the foreword for my book. Oh, so, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, I'm very proud of that. You know, um, we were talking before the show, this uh, big word that, you know, as mothers and grandmothers, etc., that we use a lot called common sense. Yes. And at the present moment, you know, and that's partly because uh, of your political um, hysteria, a, a constant tornado of misinformation, of, of fear, um, of stirring up the worst in us mm. and people getting caught in that whirlwind and, you know, the hate that it spewed. And, you know, I saw somebody with a T-shirt, I'd rather get COVID than wear a mask. You know, it's... I, I, I would like to look at all of these people and say, do you want to be a murderer? <laughs> I mean, it's true. Because, you know, let's point it as facts. Let's talk as it is. Straight talk here. Right. You denying wearing a mask, washing your hands with social distancing affects somebody. Maybe they're young, but they go home to right. their parents or their grandparents or they you know they right. cross somebody along the way because now this virus is is out of control and it's spreading even more manifesting as it goes it is a act of not only disrespect but murderous you, you know? know it's interesting that you say that because um this is quite a, a number of weeks ago when the virus started spiking in Wisconsin, I think it was, I remember hearing a news article uh, on TV that said that they thought one of the reasons it was spiking in nursing homes in that area were be was because mm -hmm. the kids had gone to back to college and then they were congregating in communities outside of the, their dorm or, you know, local mm. restaurants and bars, whatever it was. And this was just one journalist's uh, take on it. <laughs> I'm not saying these are facts, but this is the report as it came through. And then those people went back out into their communities and their families, who in turn, maybe some of those people worked in a nursing home. Maybe they had families in nursing homes and they visited them. And that's how they thought they traced Yes. The spike of the virus in the nursing home at that period of time happened was because of the community spread. And right. interestingly enough, on Senior News for Today, uh, I, it's on my YouTube channel, Phyllis Amon Associates, and um, it's Senior News for Today. And just today, I spoke about that very thing, that they feel that the spike in the nursing homes again is really the result of the spike in the community at large. Yeah, yeah. And it's almost because it's an invisible disease and it's a killer. Right. Now, you know, we're getting an awful lot of people that, you know, that are saying, I didn't have a temperature. I had a slight cough, but most of it, I was so tired. I was flattened. 
Right. right. And actually, I had surgery last week and, you know, generally due to anesthetic, I'm always pretty wiped out for a couple of days, but it was like a week. I would do a show and, I, and then I could feel myself melt off the seat oh, and go and have a nap for a couple of hours. And it was right. like, you know, in, and it was like, you know, of course, in, in your mind, it's like COVID, COVID, did I pick right, right, right. up? Did I, you know, what are the signs? You know, and as an asthmatic, I know that if I got it, it's going to go straight to the lungs, but you right. can't help it because right. every time you hear the news, it's, you know, the people talk about, but this is the reaction I got and I didn't even know I had it. There was a woman being interviewed by Marie Schreifer the other day, and she was saying that her husband got it, and then she got tested. She had to leave her kids. She she lived across, um, went into the garage room above the garage, and you know directed the kids from there. Um, and her company tests, and this is another thing you're charging people for testing. That's yeah. not you know. Um, anyway, her company tested everybody, even her kids, and they all had it. And, oh, wow. and, and and they didn't feel sick at all right and so you know now we're looking at it where the symptoms that were originally done, you know told to look out for in their the symptoms now are virtually nothing you can be a carrier and just feel a little under the weather and and just put it off as a cold or something like that right. and and it's spreading so much faster now it's almost out of control at reaching its peak hopefully before I it works agree. out but I agree. I have to say in the uh, during that March and April and May, I happen to have been working in nursing homes. Then I'm a speech pathologist as people who know me or listen to the uh, podcast. Now I'm a speech pathologist and some uh, people had gotten in touch with me and asked me to help out in the nursing home and that it was I started helping before the COVID came along and then it was during that period of time. And um, so there were a couple that, that uh, the first couple of weeks when I, uh, when we had sufficient PPE, because in the beginning we didn't, I won't even say sufficient, when we had some PPE, um, it, it's truly debilitating. It's, it's yes. very, very difficult. It's, and, you, and you're working and you're working close to people and, and you're fearful for them, you're fearful for yourself, you're fearful for your family. So that all compounds the, you know, the, the feeling that you have wearing the PPE, but it really is debilitating. But anyway, there were a couple of days I came home in the evening and I felt a little weak. I felt feverish. I felt warm. And it's just what you say. Mm -hmm. You start to say, oh my God, do I have it? Ooh, yeah. uh, do I tell anybody? Do I go <laughs> And then your conscience goes, well, yes, I need to get tested. <laughs> I'm going to work tomorrow. They'll take my temperature. I'll find out. And my daughter came a few times. She, she lives about 45 minutes from me and she has her own family. She brought me soup a couple of days and I shored myself up with stuff. I mean, I, I don't know that it was that. Um, yeah. They weren't doing, we weren't doing testing then. There was no testing then. Um, but they took my temperature every day and I was normal. So I don't know. It could have been anything. It yeah, could have I been know. the result of wearing the PPE, but psychologically. Yeah. But I have heard reports, Sarah, of people, nurses and respiratory therapists in hospitals with people that have COVID who are receiving respiratory treatment saying, no, it can't be true. I don't have that because it's not real. I don't understand. Oh, it's, it's the latest thing is it's something to do with 5G. Right. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I actually I, heard that in the beginning, in the very beginning. My daughter was saying that actually. Well, it's, 
the news coming out, uh, you know, Russia's very good. China and Russia are very good at getting on social media very and stirring right. it up. And people, right. uh, you know, I've, I've got some very, very intelligent colleagues. You know, the work they do is absolutely amazing. But to, they still think this is a government conspiracy. And I had to put out a show myself because I do my own show every week, Sarah's View of Life, uh, which is just me not interviewing. It's my perspectives on life and this was a little bit of a rant and rage that I had to do. I had to get off my chest. And I said, will you explain something to me? You're saying the government is forcing you to wear masks. It's a conspiracy to take away your freedom. Now think about it. There is a camera on every corner, everywhere you go. You know, that camera is watching you and everything you do. And the algorithm right. of your life is there, right? You're wearing a mask. They can't identify you. How does this benefit them? It is the last resort for them, for you to wear this because it's meant to save lives. But when you have a POTUS that, you know, was denying it anyway, and and when he got it before, oh, good, he's going to get to understand it firsthand. But of course, he got the king's you know uh, right. treatment and come back and said oh it's nothing then right. he told everybody else okay you know I'll, I'll get it and it's going to be nothing i'm going to be fine and then how are you right. you're three hundred thousand dead right absolutely you know um it's interesting that you say that because before the show we were also talking when people say about taking away their rights mm-hmm. but you now have to wear a seatbelt in your car mm-hmm. um and doesn't that take away your rights? You can be ticketed if you're caught without one. Right. Um, you have to, um, what else will we say? Oh, you, there is places you cannot smoke indoors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, even, uh, let's say, nursing homes, if they're a, a smoke-free environment, you have to stand 30 feet away from the door to smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are many places where you cannot smoke any longer. Isn't that taking away your freedom? Now, the reason you can't smoke in certain open places or restaurants is because it infringes on the rights of other people and their health and well-being. So isn't the mask basically the same thing? I don't really... That. No, no, but but you know, it was it was you know the shoot stirrer. I'd love to see, but the shoot oh. stirrer, right? You know, stirring it up and and all the, you know, conspiracy theorists and 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 the uh, Quinon, you right, know, right. Uh, which got the stories that were coming out of that, which was like, right, are, no, you, no, are you for real? A whole other yeah, you know, it right. and and it what it does is, while you're so busy being angry. And it's taking away my rights and this and that. You have elongated this disease. Right. We have we could have brought it right down, right down to a very low level. And then with these vaccines, we could have got this and, and, and in control uh, I... where everybody could have gone back to work and, and everything else. But no, you had to deny it. You had to fight it. You had to rally uh, uh, huge, big rallies and, you know, and deny it that it ever existed and now what are we looking at and of course yes it's the elderly that are dying the most because they're the most vulnerable right we're we're seeing you know i know that a 17 year old who was very healthy died right oh yes i've known several people i knew a respiratory therapist in his 40s who passed away i know known several people yeah but it's interesting that you say that because there are statistics in this um you know, as I was saying earlier, the, the, the number of cases has quadrupled in nursing homes from May to October. Now that doesn't include nursing, that's not only nursing home residents, but we're talking about 
healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. So um, these are people who are, are trying to do their best caring for people under extraordinary circumstances without the proper equipment. And then they go home to their families yeah. and their families not only consist of younger ones, they may also consist of older ones. Yeah. Um, and they themselves, some of them may be older. So, so it's, it's not just about older people over there, what about the people who are working in these environments that are caring for these people? And, and very often they're working in multiple. Um, correct. Right. They're not just working at one. You know, they're going now, you know, because hours cut or budgets or this or that, correct. you know, they're having to go and work in another nursing home. Right? right. And they get tired because they're looking after the people that are sick and they're going home. I mean, I heard the other day of a, an entire family wiped out. Right. Yeah. Right. It's, so uh, it's, it's, a, it's a scary proposition. And, um, you know, it was, I, I wasn't going to write this book at this time. I happened to be watching a webinar and the, the person giving the webinar was from a publishing company. And uh, he was saying that you can relaunch a book. And my book last year when you interviewed me was Overdue Quality Care for Our Elder Citizens. Mm-hmm. I said, you know what, maybe I'll relaunch that book. And then when I thought about it, I said, no, this is, this is a different story in a yes. way. It's the same story, but a different story. A different chapter. <laughs> a different, yes. And so that's why I titled it Dignity and Respect, Our Aging Parents Getting What They Deserve. And I, that's why I say it starts at COVID. So it's kind of a different story. It's the same story, but a different story you know starting yeah. in a different place um, and uh, you know but there's an always a lot of reference on social media especially on like facebook when people say do you remember this or do you remember that and a lot of it is referring you know to to seniors where there was this thing called courtesy um respect you know not just the door opening but good day thank you please um taking the time to listen to each other i mean we've all been young you know i know it's hard to believe look we've got gray hair (laughs) we were young and rebels once you know and defiant and everything else and you know we're 70s chicks right (laughs) but, but sarah i think i'm carrying that with me because um i guess some people could say i'm a rebel um now right yes but we're a rebel with a cause now (laughs) for the heck of being rebels right (laughs) so you know that we understand you know i even have reflections back on my youth and like you know was i as caring as i should have been you're in the euphoria of life and you just want to get out and grab it and you are self-centered in your youth yes still had respect for our elders the way that we talked to them the way we respected right. especially as our parents were in the war well, you know mine was and it you know it's we respected that their sacrifice gave us the right. freedom to be right and the innovations that came out of that um, and the creativity and and uh, you know looking at our parents who always wanted to make sure their cupboards were full of food because when's the next famine you know (laughs) and and wouldn't eat leftover food in case it went off you know and you could understand you know that kind of fear there and they obviously they carried that kind of fear of what happened through the war with Mm -hmm. them and it's like i interview an awful lot of veterans of different age ages um and what i love about the veterans that i interview are the fact that many of the time they've been left behind by government mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know you're 
in the potus you know you're a loser if you came back flawed wow. right yeah. or you died you know which is oh yeah um but the what i respect about them is they see the need because right. the need they had they needed right. and what they did is they created the solution for the other veterans going through the problem right right now that is also seniors we see a need we see a gap what do we do we roll up our sleeves and say well this needs to be addressed well i We've agree. Got to find a solution on this <laughs> you know one of the um the dedication to my book and, and i've said this uh, many times through the years so i've worked in nursing homes from the time i was in my 20s until you know recently when i stepped out of it to start to do this and like i said sometimes somebody will call me and ask me to cover um, I don't think they're going to be calling me very much <laughs> anymore, but that's, a, that's fine. That's fine. Um, except that I do miss working with, um, yeah, I do miss that part of it because that's where my heart is. But mm. anyway, um, you know, I say, listen, when I was even in my fifties and then uh, because I thought I was getting up there because that was my way of thinking then, mm -hmm. um, of course, in my sixties, I see it differently. Um, and I would meet somebody in a nursing home who was maybe in their, I don't know, 70s or 80s, depending. And um, I would say, oh, um, they would tell me how old, how their age. I don't try not to use the word old because that reinforces that yeah. way of thinking. So I, I asked them their age and um, they'll ask me my age. I say, well, I'm nearer than further. I'm close to you than you think, closer to you than you think. And when I tell them my age, they say, oh, you're just a kid. Yes. Now, Sounds like such a funny thing, but yeah. when I reflect on it, I said, well, even if I was 60 and they were 75 or 80 or 85, I am a kid because yeah. when they were 15, I was just born. Or when right. they were 25, I was just born. So relatively speaking, I am a kid and I don't have the 15 years of experience or 25 years mm -hmm. of experience that they have. So I still feel that way now. Yes. At 67. An 87-year-old. Right. And uh, she'd still be working if she could. Um, right. There's no work right now. She still drives. She's stronger and tougher than me. Uh -huh. Obstinate like crazy. <laughs> Absolute sweetheart. Uh, when she does a puzzle, there's nothing in the world. I mean, she is just completely and utterly engrossed. Um, Short term memory loss you know getting quite bad and this is where i'm here to make sure that you know things aren't forgotten but just an amazing woman and and like her enthusiasm for christmas is so childlike mm -hmm. you know and she had polio when she was young four years in hospital god knows how many oh, wow. she lost her twin sister at the same time oh my her fiance was killed four days before the wedding Oh, gee. So, and, and during COVID, she lost her brother to a heart attack and she's lost six colleagues and friends to COVID. And yet, you know, she just still such a fighter and still goes on. And it's like, no, my father told me, you never give in, you never give right. up. And there is something about our seniors in, you know, 70s and 80s and 90s that's still the trooper. I agree. Still, you know, that fire is like, it ain't over yet, you know, and, and I, I did a show the other day with somebody, uh, Lionel uh, Friedman, who is um, 
uh, you would love you would love to interview i promise you you would he's oh, um, you should connect me with him i will do i will do um we did a two-part series on on you know on his life and you know he's a, a movie director a documentarist a cinema cinematographer uh, and his you know his whole world has been that plus he's written numerous books and uh, one of them they adapted and made into um hollywood on netflix taken from a book called Full Service um, from a guy that worked in Hollywood and has all the juicy stories, which is really interesting. The, the mountainful, I mean, we did two shows, at least kind of three hours accumulated. There was so much more to learn from him. There's so many more stories there. There's so much that this man has done. This is a celebration. Absolutely. This is a nugget. And why are we posturing these people who are ignoring them because they're in their no. 70s or their 80s? I interviewed somebody on Wednesday who's in his late 80s, who who's a, was a concert pianist at mm -hmm. Nine, a prodigy. And, and the work that he does in... in um, who was that? Court, that is uh, uh, Irvin Laszlo. Oh, the reason I ask is because my first dream in life was to be a concert pianist. And I... Uh, studied classical piano for 12 and a half years. Ah, well, um, another one you would love will be Esther Schifrin. Uh, she's written poetry every single day of COVID. Oh. Uh, wow. on there on LinkedIn on Facebook and it's a rhyme to what's ever happening on the day absolutely amazing she's an author she's a pianist she's an artist she's Hutzper, and I had her along with the pink lady who was 86 uh, Esther 83 and these are women that you know she's the one saying it ain't over until I say it's over you know right. the, the 86 year old was her own tv show you right. know and it's it, the thing is it's attitude they're I agree. really grateful for everything they've had in life, despite what they've lost. I agree. And their attitude is, I'm still alive, mate. Don't count me out. Uh, and, and I'm with you 100%. Like I said, I never would have thought of entering into this, um, you know, this, this path um, years ago. If anybody would have ever told me mm -hmm. that... Um, <laughs> You're going to be a podcaster. What's that? <laughs> November 1st, 2018 was I did my first um, radio interview at a local radio station, Greenwich Business Talk Radio. I had this idea that this had to get out there and I called the radio station a few times and then this uh, finally I connected with someone and the woman called me back and it turns out that the show was um, we recorded on November 1st. I said, oh, this is going to be I don't know if you if people believe in numerology or numbers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ones, I, okay. And afterwards, I emailed her to thank her. And she said to me, oh, I could see you having your own show someday. And I was, I was like, I don't know what she's talking about. I'm not even thinking about that. But it's interesting how that has come to me, has, yeah. how I've developed, how my message has developed, how I've... Um, you know, I feel like I'm in a way, I've heard this before, but somebody had said it to me a long time ago before I heard it in the public domain, like I'm the voice of the voiceless, like I'm part of a voice of a voiceless and, yes. and, and that's part of uh, what I'm bringing to the table. Um, I think what I bring is a little unique because I've worked in so many skilled nursing facilities. Mm -hmm. So I have a different on the, boot, the boots on the ground perspective from the inside, uh, which you don't often get, you know? Um, and so through this process, I have really feel like I have found myself, like I have yes. found my voice in being the voice, trying to be the voice for people who need a voice. I have found my own voice. 
amen. I mean, I've been doing this eight and a half years now, and we have 2,700 shows. I've done at least 2,000 of those myself. And it's what I've learned about myself during this period, you know, who I've become because of the process. When you look at the news, you think, you know, I wouldn't blame God for pressing delete on humanity. And, right. But then you do an interview with somebody who's stepped up like you, who's doing the straight talk, who's calling it as it is, bringing the attention to a subject that everybody wants to just brush under the carpet, right. who is, you know, is, is giving people that voice elsewhere is, you know, this is, this is the reason I do what I do. Right. Because no. we need those voices. We need, we need you to listen to the people that are on the battlegrounds or, or have taken that journey who have something wonderful to share because it's now something you can put in your backpack and carry forth with you no matter correct. your age on your journey of life. Uh, correct. Uh, there isn't a person that I speak to that sooner or later in the conversation, they'll tell me it was their grandmother, their uncle, mm. their, their wife's father, their friend's mother. Um, you know, when these things happen to people on a moment's notice and they, they, they're not prepared for it because they don't think about it. This is why I tell people to get this information in advance. I know people think, well, it's about getting older. They feel like it's, if it's like a cold, they'll catch it, you know, if they talk <laughs> about it. Um, but, um, you know, the reason that you want to get this information is because when something does happen, you want to be prepared. And when I tell people is we do all prepare because you have car insurance, you have life insurance. Mm. I have burial insurance I bought a year ago. I'm not planning on using it anytime soon, right? But nevertheless, um, this is inevitably what happened. So about, um, I think it's earlier this year, I don't think it was last year, my daughter texted me that her, her friend's father um, was in the hospital and needed to move into a nursing home situation for short-term rehabilitation. And could I help them find a place to, you know, that would be appropriate for him? And then he has a trach. Now, that was my specialty, by the way. And my passion was working with people who are ventilator dependent and trachs. That's why this whole COVID thing yeah. really interests me because that's my passion. I, I worked with people with respiratory issues for so many years and, and uh, started a lot of clinical programs for, for people with respiratory conditions. But anyway, so I get on the phone. I don't really recommend a place, but I give people the information they need to ask the right questions or even maybe help them ask the questions at a you know, when they call a place, well, they can't visit anymore, but uh, if they call a place or I get on calls with people, that's part of what I help people with. So um, I got on the phone with the gal and um, what had happened to her father, unexpectedly, they found a lump in his throat. It, it turns out to be throat cancer. And then um, he had chemo and then he couldn't swallow anymore and then he couldn't breathe. So now he had this tube, he had that tube, and now he had to go to a nursing home or a short-term rehab, we call them in nursing homes, mm -hmm. for rehabilitation. Now, they never expected that to happen. Nope. No, no, no. I mean, nobody expects these things to happen. And none of us want these things to happen, but they do happen. Kids don't like their parents getting older because they don't like them getting health problems. And you know, most right. of us do, you know, it's wear and tear. It's also the fact that we, we may have been brought up with better food nutrition, but we, you know, we also weren't brought up with the, with the, um, you know, the, um, not substitutes, the, um, 
you know the vitamins and the minerals right, and this and that. You know, thank you um and, you know and we, we we didn't we weren't bored up with like you know um take time for you you know right, you, you yeah. know everything was you know we're, we're there the sacrificial line for everyone else and that's what right. you meant to do right you know and and you know that permission to place value upon yourself where our younger people now it's like no i'm i'm taking a mental health day or i'm right. i'm doing this for me and it's like i never had time to even go to the bathroom you know right. <laughs> so you know we're in a different era now and of course yes we do have things that break down and you know I have fibromyalgia and asthma and and my son sees me you know struggling sometimes and every time I would go and see him he would try and tell me what to do to make it better and then just one day I just you know grabbed his hands and said I love you very much but stop treating me as if I'm broken right 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 this right. is something I have to manage Right. It, it is a disease that is uh, is purely you have to manage it there is right. no cure for it even though everybody says it's something to do with your mother you know it's right. a, you know it's a past life thing or whatever yeah all of that is a part of it yes there's a lot of you know deprogramming that needs to happen but a lot of it comes from you know crises to the body and the body is reacting right. and and you've just got to manage it and i said to him you know what would be the best cure is simply a loving hug that's right. all I need oh. from you is a loving hug. You know, otherwise you're making me feel broken. And he never saw it that way. Right. And if we look at the, uh, our, our parents with what's going wrong with them, instead of, you know, what can I do to support them right. on this journey? I right. tell people that all the time. How about sitting down with your parents and having a conversation about how they see their, their life moving forward? What, are, what is important to them? What are their needs? Too many times, um, and I'm sure you've heard this or experienced it, you know, uh, people may be going either to an assisted living or a nursing home, and either they go without the person who, who is they're looking for, or they go with the person, but that person isn't part of the conversation because it's a put kind of thing. Yes. You know? And so I encourage people to have these conversations and tell their parents or loved one, listen, we're a team. I want the best for you, for your health, your, you know, and your safety and well-being. And we're a team moving forward. This is not that I'm trying to um, get rid of you, you know, put something on, on you or make decisions for you. It's interesting because just last night, um, I was visiting with my daughter and uh, she was telling me that her father, I'm divorced for many years, that he's starting to have co real, real cognitive difficulties. I mean, some, uh, some serious things. And, um, you know, she's wondering about assisted living or maybe um, should they, they have a new home, should they fix up the basement and he move into the basement. And, and I said, well, maybe it would be a good idea to have this conversation with him, ask him how he feels about what's happening to him, um, what kind of decisions he would like to make, where would he like to move to if that becomes a reality? Um, you know, have this conversation. Um, I, I respect. Think people, That's the dignity and respect you're talking about, right? Absolutely. It's yeah. have this conversation about that. And, you know, when you talk about self-care, I actually trademarked a word empathy, I-M-P-A-T-H-Y. Mm. And I actually wrote a course on resilience. It's called Resilience Toolbox Secrets. It's on my website, phyllisamonassociates.com. But I wrote this course with healthcare workers and caregivers in mind initially, mm. because it's just what you said. We don't think about taking any time for ourselves. Right. We think it's all about giving, 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 giving. But 
uh, you can't uh, pour anything from an empty cup. Hello. So if you're <laughs> depleted and you haven't put anything in, you're not going to really be that great for the person that you want to be there for right. or that you're trying to be there for. So yeah. self-care is really important. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yeah, I, um, I had another wonderful Dan Perkins, um, who I think, again, you would love to interview. He, he wrote a book on dementia for children. Why doesn't grandma know me anymore? Oh, um, I love that. And, uh, but he's also, we, we did a show on who takes care of the caregivers. Right. Well, that's it. Right. right. And that's the thing is, is that, well, they're paid to do that. But, you know, they've got their own families and now they're coming and looking after you. When do they have time to look after themselves? And they can yeah. only give their abundance. And if there's not a lack of abundance, what are they giving? Fumes. Well, right. And they, then they become the vulnerable and the sick. And then who looks after them? Right. Well, uh, I, I mean, it's a snowball effect. Yes. I mean, Everybody knows that when you're flying on an air, you know, when you're on yeah. an airplane, you get official instructions. They tell you when the gas mask descends, put it over your own nose and mouth first before you try and help the next person. But hopefully because, it's not a gas mask. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's an air mask. mask. Sorry. Euthanasia. <laughs> How happy gas and everybody starts laughing. <laughs> I can't believe I said that, but okay, whatever. <laughs> but you know, it's interesting that that I just said that uh, made that reference about uh, an oxygen mask because isn't that the same concept of the masks with the COVID? You yes, know, yes, yes. You're, you're trying to help the next person by putting something over your own uh, mouth and nose. It's all that. There's the common sense, you know. Right, that's common sense. I, I want to go back to d dementia there. I have this wonderful nurse who is a, a, a dementia and Alzheimer's nurse and she eventually left the profession to uh, have her own practice and helping people where families are being diagnosed, somebody's being diagnosed with the dementia or the Alzheimer's and while they're still cognizant it, to ask the questions, where do you want to go? Let's choose the facility. Right. What is going to happen? Have them be a part of it. They what? may forget it down the road but there's so subconscious their psyche Perfect. knows that they've had an input there right. right and and that helps along with the process of the dementia and the all-timers of knowing that they're not going to be a burden on their family choices have been made when the time is right and it, it's the empowerment not only for them but the ease and the empowerment for the family as well and we don't think about that do we we wait until the problem is so bad and then toss them out Correct. It's in time. Co correct. It's just what I was saying before about either uh, you could say um, planning by choice rather than crisis or being yeah. proactive rather than reactive or yeah. being informed is being forearmed, you know, whatever all of that is. And it's interesting what you say about uh, dementia because people think that uh, people with advancing cognitive decline don't know what's going on. But the reality is uh, Maya Angelou said a lot you know, many years ago, that people don't necessarily remember what you say, but they remember how you made them feel. 100%. Those feelings stay inside a yeah. person. And, um, and that's so why they become that, fearful. Correct. So this, is, this is a very important thing um, to set the stage for that, to lay that foundation so that both parties, you know, the, the person who's the caregiver or the loved one in the family and that person really come together as a team. And as you say, even if they don't, if the person doesn't remember it down the line, there will 
hopefully be a sense of, of peace, a foundation that was laid. The psyche uh, does. You yes, know, the, the, the brain might, but the psyche does. And, yes. and uh, you know, it's it, the, the kind of in the cellular, no, they made that choice and they're not fighting it. Um, Correct. You know, I have um, a friend whose husband has, has got the onset of dementia and he, he totally, no, forget it. And when he stopped working, it was just literally bathrobe, TV, smoke. That's it. Not, not do anything, no hobbies, no reading, no, no nothing, no walking, nothing. And he's just going down that road. And she told him, you get to that level where you start wandering off or you do this and you do that. I can't cope with it. You will go into a home and you can, you, you can be a part of that choice now or not. And for him, it's like, nope, never going to happen. Not happening. Okay, right. and, you know, that makes it harder. Yes. But that's where you have to become educated either Correct. as the spouse or the children, right? And, and not only that, sometimes you need a third party. Sometimes yeah. you need a facilitator to help people understand, to bring everybody, to find a consensus. Uh, yeah. Sometimes, you know, there are relationship issues. We all have relationship yeah. issues. We're all human beings. Those, that baggage can impact those uh, responses to each other. Um, whether it's a husband and wife or children and family, there are all kinds of different, um, you know, we all carry that baggage yeah. and those influence those decisions and those um you know, those reactions that people have. A while ago, I interviewed somebody. I was actually, it was an assisted living facility and I was going to be doing a presentation and the regional manager had told me a story about her um, mother, I think it was. The father had died many years previously and this, uh, she lived up in this area where I am in the Northeast and the sister lived, um, I think it was in Florida. And the mother was becoming increasingly more dependent in her care needs and also her cognition needs. And, um, you know, the, the sister was really struggling, as you say, about caring for somebody else and not doing anything for yourself. And she was really deteriorating. And um, so the sister who lived up here had suggested that maybe it was time to look into an assisted living or some kind of other living environment for her mother. And her response was that she couldn't do it because she promised her father yeah. 15 years previously when he passed away that she would never do that. Right. So there's people don't even know the promises that people make, the guilt they feel. Mm. There's, there's social pressure, religious pressure, cultural pressure. Um, we have to start to talk about these things in the community because uh, these are there are more, as you say, there's a greater number of older people. And as science has allowed people to live longer, now people are living longer. And now there are other kinds of difficulties that come along with that. So right. how are we going to approach that? And you know, the, the other question comes into my, my mother would not go into a nursing home. A, they nearly killed her in the hospital by giving her the, you know, the, the wrong medication. Uh, and my sister was very on top of them. In fact, they become so afraid of my sister that, you know, <laughs> after that, you know, they're, you know, golden gloves completely. Um, but there was literally a woman next to her that had no family to talk for her and they were literally starving her to death. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my, my mother saw that and the, in the horrific tales that come from nursing homes. And she said, you're never putting me in a nursing home. I'm dying my own home. She did at 95, but my brother 
ended up looking after her. My sister would come down and give him respites. He ended up having a heart attack looking after her. Mm. She got a hernia that she couldn't attend to, ended up, now no, it's massive and they can't operate on her. And it, it, both of their healths deteriorated. Right. And uh, But my mother was like, I will not go into a nursing home and, you know, the person I'm living with, I will not. And especially now, they just look at it as a death pit. And right. so this is going to have a huge effect on nursing, nursing homes because who wants to go in one? Correct. And, Correct. But it's also revealed so much of the mismanagement Correct. that's been going on in there anyway. So, you know, what gets me at the present moment is back in March, April and May with so many deaths in nursing homes and realizing what the problem was and the lack of support and even having to get, you know, the army in there to help. You knew there was a problem why didn't you address it? We're now in the fall where we knew it was going to get worse. And, and now we've got even more deaths. Hello, what the hell is going on? No, I agree with you 100%. And, and a lot of what I talk about in, in the book, uh, as you mentioned earlier, is how are we going to move forward and care for older people? Yes. Uh, maybe we have to look at these kind of living environments in a different way and reimagine them. Maybe uh, we can't go, I mean, it doesn't look like we're going to be able to go along with business as usual. It no. looks like we're going to have to find a different path. So I think people have to come together to find that different path. How are we going to do this in a way that's not only safe uh, for residents, but also for the people that are caring for those residents. That's a huge number of people in our population. We also need to look at the cost because, right. you know, my mom, through various supports of relatives, had lost her money. She didn't have enough money to go into a proper care home. Because mm -hmm. exorbitant costs, exorbitant right. costs that you know, even if she sold a home, would have gone through, it wouldn't have lasted her lifetime, right? Mm -hmm. And we need to look at that subsidy of costs. We need to look at the, the, the people who don't have the money to pay these exorbitant right. prices. Um, why should their care be less? I and agree. and it, it's not about, as we've heard so many stories about, of just dumbing them down, leaving them in a chair, you know, shoving food in them, putting them back into bed. It's, you know, I've always said I want to go the way of the golden girls. Right. And, I agree with you. And, you know, in living with my 87 year old, I've got a golden girl right here. Right. <laughs> um, uh, no Blanche, though. Okay. <laughs> but we are going to be looking at as we age of how we want to age. And I think that maybe we are going to see people pool their resources with a bunch of girlfriends or friends right. or families yes. and then afford the care to come in and look right. after you because you know, nursing homes until they get their act together and until prices reflect the, you know, the care, we're going to see this as a problem way beyond COVID, aren't we? Yes, I agree with you 100%. And there, there are many different kinds of models. There are uh, like, there are small residential care homes. There are like you say, people can cohabitate. They three or four people can come together or however many. Um, and then, like you say, pool resources, maybe you do have a caregiver come in and, and take care of three or four people in a small setting. That I think the issue is going to also be, that may work well in more um, uh, suburban environments, yeah. um, but in the urban communities where it, the population is so much more dense, um, what are the possibilities there? I think people really have to start to look at that um, because these big box uh, 
yeah. nursing homes, you know, that are stories high, that are three, four, five hundred people. I mean, those situations uh, are ripe for any uh, pandemic type situation. I yeah. mean, what it happens just, to be after COVID? Yeah, I mean, a, a maybe another dish, one. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. this has just been terrific, Sarah. I really appreciate the uh, having this conversation with you. When we met the first time, we were really right on point. So I, I just this is just so delightful for me to speak with somebody who has understands where I'm coming from and has this same passion and point of view. I, I just love it. Um, ditto, darling. And especially with the title of your show, you know, Seniors Straight Talk. Oh, because, yeah, you know, that's one of the things we've had the right to actually do is have right. straight talk. You know, you know, we're going to be respectful and we're going to be nice, but we're going to give it as it is. We haven't got time to fluff up your ego, you know, to pander to your insecurity. We're going to call it as it is. And, you know, if you listen, you're going to benefit. (laughs) It's funny that you say that because um, I don't know how many years ago it was. I must have been in my 40s, I think. I met this woman who uh, was working in a nursing home. And um, and then I'm, I met her like a year or two later in another nursing home, a distance away from where the first one was. And she was a pretty straight shooter, this woman. And I mean, she just really said it the way it is. And she said to me, I think she was in her late 60s at the time, maybe. And I think, and she said to me, listen, let me tell you something, honey. <laughs> <laughs> when they start off like that. <laughs> I listen. Said, let me tell you something, honey. Once you get to be 50, 60, you earn the right. Mm -hmm. You earn the right to say what you want to say the way you want to say it. You'll see when you get there. And I have to say, I I didn't understand it then. I couldn't because I hadn't lived that, I hadn't lived that journey yet. Yes. But once I got to my mid fifties, I really saw what she was talking about. And um, even like a truth to power thing, even the nursing homes that I worked in, I would just, um, people would say, well, how do you get away with those things? I said, well, I'm not saying anything. I'm not insulting anybody. I'm not cursing at anybody. I'm just telling them exactly the way it is. And they respect me professionally. They know I'm not doing it to harm anybody. They may not like exactly what I'm saying, but they know that what I'm saying, deep down, they know it's true. We don't want fluff. No, you know, uh, we don't want fake news, you know, Uh, we we want the facts. And yes, there's a way of delivering the facts. You know, it's um, if somebody's life is at risk. Yes, you want to tell them your life is at risk and we need to work together to do everything that we can. You know, I know that my dad was um, with his heart attack at 45, uh, 40. He was told that he had three months to live. Now, instead of saying to him, change your lifestyle, change your diet, calm down. Um, he gave him three months to live, and as a fighter pilot and a racing car driver, oh, lived gee. his life in the fast lane. Right, and right. Did right. all this and that, and forty-five was dead. Um, and and I don't agree with that. Don't give people the death sentence. Just say, right. look, time is limited. Still, time to turn it around. You know, it, it's your attitude towards right. your life that's going to make the difference. Right. Right. And, you, you know, we, we need that. We need kindness and caring and understanding. I but agree. But we also need to give people the honest truth. That's yeah, the respect. No. I agree 100%. And, and all the person, just like you're saying, has to say is, listen, I don't know what the time is. Yes. Um, there's no way for me to know because I don't have a crystal ball. Right. I've heard 
people say that. Uh, the reality is we've all known stories of people who were given a year or six yes. months and then five years later they're, yes. they're still with us. So I don't know what time is left. It might be range three months. It might be three years. There's no way of telling with the condition you have. My suggestion would be yeah. to live every day to the maximum. That would be my suggestion. And uh, if, if you could do things that are you know, um, contribute to your well-being. If you can change your diet, if you can change, you know, your activity level. And this, this may, I don't know. I always prefer, listen, as a speech pathologist who's worked with many people, people who've had strokes, but many, many different situations, um, or even people on ventilators and they'd say, well, you know, when do you think I'm going to be able to eat again if they weren't? Or when do you think I'll be able to speak again? Or when do you think my language is going to come back? I have no clue. And the right. reason I have no clue is because, Sarah, you could get a cold and I could get a cold. Mm -hmm. You could be better in three days. Three weeks later, I could still be coughing. It yeah. has a lot to do with environment, attitude, as you say, yes. self-care, and your own body, your own system. Yep. So there's no way of really knowing. So how could you say that in a way to let people do, you know, let them know to do the best for themselves, but not, you don't have a crystal ball. You right. Yeah. Um, you well, know, I mean, you, you give people that death sentence and, you know, like uh, my friend Audrey that I live with, you know, she had a friend who, um, went in because he was very tired and always puffed out and they looked at his heart and said you're only using 25 percent you know you're on borrowed time and he was dead in a couple of weeks he just gave up right and, you know and a, and a woman in her 50s you've got cancer and instead of looking at it okay there, it's totally beatable what do i need to do there's so much information today so holistically etc on cancer she was dead we just gave up so you know we've got to realize as with everything in our life our choices affect us and how much we participate in our choices and how we feed them with what optimism what possibilities um yes it could be tiring yes it could be fighting that's where you invite your own community to give you that moral support that vibrational support but it's you know there's still a reason to fight for your life and yes there is that time where it's like okay the, the fight is no longer in me i'm willing to surrender it's time for me to go home but it's not because you gave up it's because you just realized that's the knock on the right. door and, and the reality is you may do everything and it may not right may not help, yeah but but you uh, tried though and that is the enthusiasm yeah. and that inspires other people Right. Absolutely. Listen, we've all heard stories and known stories mm -hmm. both ways. Yeah. Um, I had, I knew a gal, she um, actually um, passed away a few days before Thanksgiving. She had, um, I think it was pancreatic cancer. I, I could be wrong, but I think it was. And she, uh, you know, it used to be that pancreatic cancer was a six month death sentence. Mm -hmm. Um and she was living with it, um, you know, quite a long time. So um, a few years anyway. So, I mean, you just don't know what's possible. You know, what I tell people is the human system is like a car. Yes. This is the metaphor that I always, I've been using it for years. You know, you can have a car that has 70,000 miles, 90,000 miles. You could take the best care in the world of that car. But the reality is the car has 70,000 miles or 90,000 miles. And the likelihood is that something is going to go wrong with that car as opposed to something with 20,000 miles. Yeah. Now, 
you might take the car in for an overhaul and you think the car is doing great. This has happened to many people with cars. And then a week later, something else happened. Yes. <laughs> this is what it is. Um, and you did everything right. It's yes. not like you were thinking the car was going to break down again. That was your last thought or wish, but nevertheless, it happened anyway. But you did everything you could to make that car better and with the right attitude and just went along your merry way. And then when the next thing happened, you just said, okay, well, this thing happened now and I either either we'll pass this by or this will be the end of this car. <laughs> right, exactly. And I think it's, it's not about the end of your days, it's how you live your days. I agree. And, and uh, you know, right now, let's face it, with this pandemic around the world, we're all on borrowed time. Nobody knows because it's such a silent killer. And, you know, and can be passed on so easily with people with no symptoms at all. They're the carriers, they pass it on. Um, it, it can affect anybody at any time. So you can't live in fear, you can't live in paranoia, you can't live in the conspiracy theory. We're going back to that common sense. Do your due diligence. Hands wash, mask, make sure that you're keeping your own immune system plump and juicy and that you are just living the best you can within the parameters of I what's agree. being set forth right now. And again, that comes down back to a lot of to do with the attitude, you know, being grateful at the present moment that we're not in a war-torn zone, right. that there aren't airplanes bombing us and that we're not in famine. You know, we've just been asked <laughs> to ask, wash hands and distance, respect. Right. Where's the big deal, mate? <laughs> I agree. I agree 100%. And that's why um, I don't know what, uh, when I came up with that title, community and respect, but once I did, yeah, I said that's the, the right title for the right time. 100%. And you know, it's, it's beyond even the topic. Because right. if you can't give somebody the respect of dignity, then you are totally and utterly dishonoring them. It does not mean you have to agree. It doesn't right. even mean that you have to like the person. Correct. But respect the differences and be dignified about it. Right, I agree. And there's right. a lot of older people that become cantankerous, you know, yeah. and, uh, and you know, there goes George again, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's respect that that's their life's journey they're playing out. Correct. Correct. And I always tell that to people that, and I, it's interesting that you use the word their life's journey, because I use that uh, expression and those words a lot in talking about people as they get older, they're really advancing in years on their life's journey. Mm -hmm. It is a continuation of a life journey. And I also, I'm not crazy about the terminology, although I know the purpose of it and what's behind it and where it comes from about dying with dignity. I say it's about living with dignity until you're not living anymore. Until and dying with grace. Right. Until you take your, the last breath, you are still living. Yes. Yes. So I yes. say it's living with dignity until, until, you're, until your last breath. You're right. actually... You're, and you're continuing life's journey as you're advancing in years. So it's interesting to me that you use that. We never spoke about that before, mm -hmm. but it's interesting to me that you uh, that you use those words. In sync here, girls. In yeah. sync. <laughs> you know, um, we spoke. I've got a lot of things wrong with this vehicle. 
and this yeah. vehicle can nowhere you know fourth gear hard to get into right. um you know uphill <laughs> forget it you're gonna have to push <laughs> but that doesn't mean this vehicle still can't go places and still can't do things correct right? and you know we, we understand our limitations as i said you know my my um, companion here at 87 has more strength and more energy than I have. You know, she's like a sprinter in everything that she does. And I don't have that in me. You know, that's part of my diseases is that battery power doesn't hold. Right. So does that write me off? No, it just means I go and do uh, where my energy will allow me to do and where it doesn't, I don't. Right. And that's where you get to at a certain pace in a certain pace in life where you go, you know, I can no longer do that. What's the point of crying? I did it. Been there, done that. What can right. I do now? Now, correct. What right. in this moment can I contribute? What right. can be my meaningful purpose? Right. How can I make a difference? How can I find something that makes me get up every day? But, you know, I will say something that you said earlier, and I think it is important to say this. If people do want to, sit in a rocking chair in it yes. if that makes them happy yeah. and or and or you know taking care of their grandchildren if that is their passion that what soothes them yes what their soul that's fine too exactly it's just, it's just don't sell a person short right just exactly that thing and allow them to do that thing and that doesn't matter whether they're living in their own home or living in an assisted living residence or in a nursing home, they still have that ability to explore something that they're passionate about. I've met people in nursing homes who are wonderful artists who had been all kinds of, um, had pursued all kinds of things in their life. They could have still done that while they were in a nursing home environment. Why yes. not? It's not putting them in a chair and dumbing them down. It's, it's, this is the time for them to express themselves in a realm of safety. And you know, we're, we're, we're the ones that will have the lack because we are not benefiting from all that wonderful inspiration, yeah. that wonderful knowledge. You know, there's a program that puts kids together with seniors to teach yeah. them how to use computers. I, you know, I've, what a wonderful thing to do. And of course, there are other programs to do with animals because we know how much animals speak to the soul. Oh, yes, absolutely. And then, you know, people who work with music, you know, right. which, which again, trans, you know, it transcends everything and goes and speaks to our core um, and ignites it. There's so many things that we can do to help seniors, but at the same time, learn from them. Because Absolutely. it's a two-way street. There, there is it that this is this and this is. We're talking division again. No, right. no, I, united. That's what we're wanting. Connection. Right. I agree. I agree. I don't know if uh, uh, your viewers or listeners know about um, Dan Cohen, who was the founder of um, Music and Memory. It's now Right to Music. People mm -hmm. can look that up, Dan Cohen, Right to Music, which is all about people finding the music that they love. Mm -hmm. and, and especially people with dementia, how that really, they come alive. It was yes. based on his yes. uh, 2014 documentary, Alive Inside, which was a Sundance Film Festival Audience Choice Award winner. It's a fantastic film. And I would also encourage people to read Bill Thomas's book, Life Worth Living, where he uh, totally transformed nursing homes with animals, with plants, yes. with music. Yes. I mean, these are, these are things that are possible. There are many places around the country that are adopting this way of thinking and bringing that into uh, environments, living environments, so that people really continue to, 
to have a life with purpose and a, and a quality of life. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, there are many places that aren't. And that's really what we're addressing and what right. my book addresses. It, yeah. It's not really talking about the places that are. It's talking about what's possible in the places that aren't. So maybe we can move more of those yeah. in the direction. We're, we're, let's take what we know works and bring it into Correct. the places of Correct. lack, right? Yes. You know, I think one of the reasons why we're seeing Again, so many seniors, uh, of, you know, right, you know, but how many times have I seen another 100 year old, 118, oh, 100 and this and that, I, you know, just had COVID and 100, you know, and it's like, stock. You know, I, I, I have a theory that they all drink orange Pico tea because I, oh, think, I, love- I think it's a, a fermenter. Either that or a, a shot of a scotch or something. I oh, know. Well, I'm, I'm the scotch one, but, you know, like my mom was orange Pico tea, you know, Audrey is orange Pico tea and a few others. I asked them, you know, in their 80s and they've still got so much energy. Do you drink orange Pico tea? Yes, we do. And I think there's something in it. But, <laughs> Listen, <laughs> but I, I also think it was a lot to do with being the post-war. Oh, I, I, you know, we, I, we came out of, of times where there had been lack, sacrifice. It was an era of rebuilding. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, it was uh, an era also of being grateful for what we had Correct. because there was so much lack the decade before. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, we came to the 70s, 60s and 70s of, you know, of, of exploration of peace and love and, you know, um, and looking at the goodwill and realizing there's an awful lot more than just the, the body and flesh, the, mm-hmm. the soul and the heart and the spirit needed to have a voice as well. That kind of went then to the, the 80s and the 90s, which was all about more is more. Right. And the more you have, the unhappier you are. Right, right. right. And when we get to this other age, we go, you know, really, where do I want to put my energy? Right, exactly. You know, what really is enrichment? What really is abundance? And that's right. making a difference in somebody else's life. Right. That is, no, you know, bringing joy or bringing information or being supportive, being inspirational. That's really what it is, is knowing that every day somewhere, somehow you made a difference, even if it was just to your fellow man in the nursing home. I agree. And I hope that this, uh, this book makes a difference for, for people. I really hope that people take the opportunity to grab a copy of it and maybe even buy one as a gift. Yes. Encourage their friends to, um, to buy one. Um, I, I did a presentation for some people the other day and at, at, towards the end of it, the, the person who organized it said, oh my goodness, do you know how many people I've heard little tidbits of this from? Mm-hmm. Uh, that this that this can help I said because once you start to talk to people yes they start to tell you oh my friend or yes or I had this so I really hope uh, people grab a copy of the book it's on Amazon as you said dignity and respect are our aging parents getting what they deserve it became as I said a number one new release in one day so I'm very excellent proud very about good that. um also if they go to my website phyllisaymanassociates.com and they hit the the book tab, it will show up there, but it will still take you to Amazon. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I hope people do that. I think it can be very helpful for people to, to really find out how they can become more informed. So they are more effective advocates for their loved ones and eventually for themselves, because it's about our future selves. It's the book for grandma to give to the kids, right? right? (laughs) Because you know, right now you're, you're in, you know, um, making a living, you know, I've got my first grandchild on the way. So everything is, that's where their world is. Right. They're right. not even thinking about down the road. 
right, right, they are, right. It's like worrying about when mom and dad get old, what are we going to do right, with them? Right, right. So having a book where it prepares you for what is wrong, but what could be right. Yes. Addressing the situation. It's like, well, I'm not going to send my mom and dad to a situation like that. We right. need to do something about it. But, right. you know, it's interesting you said that because that's what my daughter was saying last night. She said, of course, you know, she knows from me. Um, of course, my whole life has been working in nursing homes and they always heard the stories the unfortunately horror stories for the most part. Yeah. And she said, listen, I would never, I would never allow that for, for, for dad or for you. Um, why would I do that? I mean, I, I know what it's like. Uh, that's not saying that, but you see therein also, sometimes you can't help that at, at some stage. And I think that's where the guilt comes in. Mm -hmm. That's where, so that's where the conversations are important because sometimes you just, the situation is such that that's the only thing that's available um, because of the condition or the situation and you can't get the help. And so people have to work through that also. Um, you know. We're in a time period, you know, like the, the, the universe gave me a saying three years ago, the universe is here to shake us up, to wake us up for us to stand up and change it up and grow up and higher right. vibration right. and double and try and grow up. And, um, that transition is going to take another four years. There is going, no going back to normal. We don't want to go back to normal because normal didn't work. It is about raising our consciousness, raising our awareness, realizing what systems are broken. What can we collectively do to put them right? The right. conversation openers at the present moment are essential. Right. We're not doom and gloom and saying, oh, this is the problem. And oh, hands up in the air is but this is the problem but these are the solutions what are we going to feed because what yeah, you feed absolutely. water will grow so the, the book at this time not only with the amount of deaths we're seeing in nursing homes during covid but you know the the horror stories that have been there before the systems that could make it different right could make it more viable could make it have more dignity and respect could still give more meaningful purpose to the seniors that still want to have a life but just can't live on their own anymore let us also not forget loneliness oh absolutely I, and i dedicate a chapter to that about isolation and loneliness yes. i talk about it um if anybody you know has a loved one in in their midst um even if it's not their relative if it's a neighbor touch base with the person yes. you're socially distancing. If you can get their phone number or even knock on a door and say, hi, I just want to make sure you're okay. Um, that that's equally as important because isolation and loneliness is equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And it has a lot to do with depression, with cognitive decline. Um, and that impacts physical decline. It, it's, it's a killer actually. It so is. I would yeah. encourage, people um in that regard also yeah yeah I, I did just show loneliness is a killer it is and you know it is as simple that if somebody you know still lives on their own you know knock on the door check are they okay right. can i shop for you can i do anything how about even if you don't want to go in because you don't want to affect them how about a christmas card and a little box of chocolates or a little oh, card right. you know right. and right. and you know knock on the door and just say just to wish you well i'm thinking of you at christmas you right. know they may be on their own but at least they know somebody cared if they were living or dead correct listen i have to say uh Several weeks ago, I got a text from um, a friend. We were friends for a short period of time. Um, 
he's moved to another part of the country and he um, just texts me to say, hey, listen, uh, you know, how are you doing? Are you okay? It mm -hmm. meant a lot to me. Yes. Um, you, and people never know when other people are thinking of them. And when they find out other people are thinking of them, it, it does, it boosts their mood, it boosts their spirit, yeah. it means so much to people. So just as you say, I would encourage people to let people know, knock on a door, mm. say, listen, I just want you to know that I'm thinking of you. Are you okay? Do you need anything? Is there anything I could pick up for you? Um, I think that would, uh, that would, that's terrific. It, it lets people know that people still care they're alive. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. you know, especially right now, I mean, here in Canada and BC, there is no Christmas for us this year unless it is in your household. That's it. Yeah. And the same for people that are completely alone. Do you have a bubble that you, you, you can get with somebody else uh, so that you're not on your own because they realize that that is effective, whether they're young or old? Right, absolutely. And, and yeah, we have this wonderful thing called Zoom and this thing called Skype and thing called Messenger and the thing called the right. phone. You know, the right. thing that you dial, well, press, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, reach out. Uh, and it's, we've got to make that effort. And yeah, absolutely. This is the important thing right now is this pandemic uh, is still going to be a major crisis until at least June next year. Um, right. The vaccine, you know, as it slowly comes about, obviously when you have a new president in there he is going to you know grab the reins by the horn right now he's crippled and the amount of deaths yeah. that are going to happen between now and then is just horrific and it will go down in history um but at the lives expense and especially people denying that this is even effect you know um, a thing right now it is sorry folks here's the straight talk from this senior grow up <laughs> have some respect Give some dignity to someone, put on your goddamn mask and stop complaining and whining like a child. <laughs> I, I agree. And, you know, I want to encourage people when you talk about straight talk, uh, you know, the, um, the podcast is on the Voice America Empowerment Channel, Senior Straight Talk and on popular podcast platforms. So if people want to take a listen, Definitely. I, think they'd, um, I think they'd enjoy it. And most certainly need to, to, you know, I'm going to send you a couple of people and I know that you would absolutely oh, love them. Oh, absolutely. And that, that would the, be fantastic. And, you know, the, this is not the time to write us off. This is the time, you know, we, we are, our, our tree is abundant of, of wisdom. Yes, fruit, absolutely. Ready for the picking. This is the time to pay attention, to ask questions, to give us value. And, and to all those seniors out there that have still got something to do and to contribute, do it do it don't wait for anybody else's permission if this right. is something you've always wanted to do and you can do it and you don't even know how when i first started my network believe right. me i didn't know what i was doing i right. learned as i went exactly. <laughs> and exactly. the whole thing is please don't don't give up on life right get out there and live it right to the very end and when your exit comes go with grace i agree this has been great, Sarah. Thank you so much. Give the, your site again. Will you spell your name for, for people who are Oh, sure. Here? Phyllis, P-H-Y-L-L-I-S, Amen, A-Y-M-A-N, Associates, A-S-S-O-C-I-A-T-E-S.com is my website. And I think if you go to Amazon and put in my name, Phyllis, P-H-Y-L-L-I-S, Amen, A-Y-M-A-N, um, the book Dignity and Respect uh, should come up. Um, and get and, the, the name of your book from last year as well. Oh, Overdue, Quality Care for Our Elder Citizens. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. what it's all about for me. You know, the straight talk seniors, the overdue, and the dignity and respect. I think there's a theme going on here. <laughs> <laughs>
and you know it's it's one that you know as, as i said as seniors we need to straight we haven't got time right we haven't got time to call you this is the time for you to wake up step up change it up and, uh, and and grow up and realize that there is a problem that you need to be a part of the solution absolutely thanks a lot sarah this has been great it's been wonderful thank you so much love and to remember everybody out there we are the solution uh, all we have to do is be willing to step up, ask the questions, get the conversation going. The system has to change and it lies within us. So until next time, bye for now. We hope you enjoyed the show. We look forward to bringing you more shows. Please go to selfdiscoverymedia.com shows and you will see the incredible lineup of genres and shows that we have for you. We are here to make a difference in your life. Thank you for listening.